Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing good. Doing good. Doing all right. So, Let's see what we can do. Yep. Let's see if we can end a war before it starts. No, the war has yeah. already started. Already I think a few people more or less have decided that there has been a declaration of war in uh, Ukraine. Matter of fact, if, <clears throat> if you get technical like I like to, sometimes acts of wars are committed quite frequently, even though technically we're not at war. Just think, we haven't had that many wars since uh, World War II. We yeah. haven't had any wars. We've just had police actions and humanitarian concerns and bringing gone to peace. Uh, a couple million people died, but that's not relevant, relevant for a lot of people. But right now, um, the big concern and interest that we've been talking about has been uh, Ukraine. And it seems no matter what uh, it seems uh, is un totally unnecessary, is still an obsession with some people. Uh, and of course, today, this very day, uh, you know, they rush, they rush the vote through uh, 40, $40 billion. That's small change that they took from the American people, took it out of the pockets of the American people, and uh, put it into the pockets of the military-industrial complex yeah. to fight a holy war. I mean, we are over there in Ukraine fighting this wonderful war because the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming, and uh, without any interest in history at all, I remember being ridiculed by bringing up the subject, that maybe we ought to think about the history of the region. And I, I think at that time we were talking about Iran. Yeah. You know, the history is important because that's what le leads up to the wars. But uh, anyway, it, uh, it was a vote today and they passed it. They were going to do it tomorrow, but they passed it. They're in a hurry. I mean, there's a war coming. They better, they better, be, better be ready. And uh, 11 Republicans voted against it. It's better than one. Yeah. It's better than two or three. But it's pretty disgusting under the conditions that we have today. And, uh, but these, the, uh, the budget is never under control because everybody has an exception. You know, liberals have more exceptions in the domestic affairs and at personal welfare. Not that the Republicans are shy about it. But then there's also the, the militarism that we say, oh, uh, Republicans are better on that than the Democrats. Barely. <laughs> There's a little bit more questions asked by Republicans, but all the bills get passed, and I don't think a Senate leader like McConnell is much help in bringing about sanity to, to the budget. And also, you know, if it's going to happen, and we talked yesterday and wrote, wrote a weekly report on, uh, you know, on Rand trying to get a little bit of oversight. You know, if they're going to do it, why not have an oversight? And they went nuts. And uh, so, um, of course, he was the most he could do was just delay the vote, delay the, the uh, you, you know, the unanimous consent to vote with anybody doing anything, no talking or anything. Well, you know, they got it onto the floor and they had no amendments permitted, I assume, since there weren't any any amendments. And uh, Dan uh, 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 Rand didn't have any chance to make his point again and have an up and down vote on yeah. it. So uh, there's going to be uh, no oversight as usual, and uh, and, and uh, the money is spent, 
and there's a lot of activity going on that doesn't look like anybody's backing down. I mean, there's a big conflict going on uh, between NATO and uh, the, the Russians. And uh, there's, we've been doing our best to sort all this out. Who started what, when? And there's a long history on both sides. You know, the, the Russians have been surviving and involved and slaughtered and slaughtered others for hundreds of years. And, and also Ukraine. And, Ukraine's been really uh, in the midst. I didn't realize that it wasn't just since, you know, the coup in 2014. It's been back not even even before World War II. It's been there a long time. It's been a hot spot uh, between uh, the the Europeans the, and and the uh, Soviet system, Russian system. So it's uh, it, it is there, and uh, we have a few reports to show that they're not letting up, and some very good warnings that uh, we've been trying to bring about, and, and a lot of people now are talking about it, but not the the average person in this on the streets who's going to suffer the most, pay the most bills, have the most pain from the uh, uh, from the inflation. Uh, no, they won't be exposed to it. And uh, right now, the propaganda machine is working overtime. But in spite of that, we will see occasionally a poll that will show that the American people, yeah, they've gone along and they're not, they're not bucking it. But they're also, there's a source of information to show that their instincts tell them there's something fishy about this war. And maybe we are way overstepped our bounds. Yeah, well, not enough, unfortunately, have, uh, have come to that rational conclusion. Let's put up that first clip because this is what we're talking about. This is the news for this morning. Uh, we thought it would come Wednesday, but it came today. 11 Republican senators vote against $40 billion in security assurance assistance for Ukraine. Of course, as you point out to Paul, Dr. Paul, that is not going to Ukraine. That's going to Lockheed and Raytheon. Um, but nevertheless, 11 members of the Senate, including Senator Paul, which is good, Senator Lee, a few other good ones, had the courage to stand up. And of course, they need an enemy, so they're vilified. And in this article, which was written by someone from, uh, what's it called, Huffington Post, of course, these people, these 11 senators, just literally want to kill Ukrainians. That's why they voted this way. They need this enemy. And uh, so here's something for gratitude. This is from that article. This is a member. Okay, look, first of all, $40 billion. Senator Paul did a very good job at putting our, our aid to Ukraine in perspective, almost as big as the State Department budget, bigger than Homeland Security, more than we spent in a whole year in Afghanistan, our first year. This is what kind of money we're talking about. Yet yeah, listen to these ungrateful people. This is a member of Ukrainian parliament who's furious with Senator Paul for delaying their money. She said, when you tell your three-week-old baby that her mom's work for the last week, that we had to spend a part to help the country was blocked by one single man in the U.S. Senate. These political games and the delay cost hundreds of lives of Ukrainian soldiers. So a member of the United States Senate who said, can we please just keep track of this money to make sure it's not wasted? That person is demonized and vilified and literally accused of killing hundreds of Ukrainian soldiers simply for doing his constitutional duty and looking out for the constituents and looking out for the American taxpayer. It's sick. That's, that's for darn sure. And uh, 
the effort made by the establishment people keeps growing, and uh, and the rubber stamp is there. Yes. And uh, here, here, here we have uh, open-ended uh, uh, NATO authority coming from uh, military support for for Ukraine. So NATO, of course, we know all about NATO. They shouldn't exist. Uh, it undermines our national security. Technically, it's unconstitutional because it's deferring to an organization like NATO to do the constitutional responsibility of the U.S. Congress. And we pledge to go to war for people that uh, have, have no interest in American uh, system or the freedom of American people or the finance of the American people. So, but it's not, not just a little bit. And on this, and on this article on anti-war, so the pledge is open-ended. Open-ended. It looks like it, it's not like, well, we better get a couple million bucks together and help feed some people who are starving over there. It's open-ended military support for, for Ukraine. And uh, there, there is no doubt that uh, right now the animosity between the two sides are, are, are building. It's really building, and uh, and it's it's going to be uh, a long time off before anybody really backs off. And 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 there's there's never any there's never any even pretense of saying, well, we have this negotiation going on here, and we're we're talking about a peace treaty or a no fire system. That that's not happening. It's just a matter. Who can they build up? And like we'll mention, gather in more souls, more countries, more people involved. You know, I keep thinking that uh, this open-ended stuff and that you're getting more members of in, in there. I wonder, you know, when and if, and if Trump gets back in office, what if he says the solution is making these other countries pay the bills they owe for NATO? How many, how many of these how many of these people are going to all of a sudden say, hey, you know, let's relieve the American people a little bit. Let's send in a little bit. I don't think that's the reason why there's uh, clamoring going on, because the real reason is in this headline that we have military support for Ukraine, and that means more profits for the, the war machines. Yeah, this is a, really incredible. Let's put on this next uh, clip, because, it, again, we saw it through anti-war. Original was on Yahoo News. NATO assures Ukraine open-ended military support against Russia. And I'm wondering about this, and I guess there might have been some circumstances in history, but I wonder when has the U.S., when has NATO ever done this? When have we said, we will give you unconditional, open-ended, the sky's the limit, just name the price, and we will support you? I can't even imagine. Now, NATO's purpose was to deter a Soviet invasion of Western Europe. I can't even imagine during the height of the Cold War that we would say absolutely anything and everything you want, we will give you. And we are so far removed from the Cold War that when they bring this up, it's just for me astonishing. And let's put um, that next clip, because this is from the article. This is where this came from. At a meeting of NATO's foreign ministers in Berlin, Germany's Annalena Baerbock said it would provide military assistance for as long as Ukraine needs to support for self-defense of his country. Ukraine can win this war. Ukrainians are bravely defending their homeland, NATO chief Jens Stoltenberg added. Well, back here on Planet Reality, Dr. Paul, you know, the spigot is unending from Washington to Kiev. But on Planet Reality, yesterday, Zelensky in Ukraine gave, finally gave permission 
for the thousands who are, have been trapped underground in Azovstal in Mariupol to surrender. We've already seen at least 300 come out, including very, very severely wounded people. They finally have been able to surrender. The siege of Azovstal is over. And these were the heroes of the fight. That's gone. Russia has made some incredible gains in Donbass in the east. Uh, and things are not going well at all for Ukraine. Yet nevertheless, Stoltenberg and the others, I don't know what they're smoking over there in Brussels, but the reality is that, as you've said before, Ukrainian military is getting slaughtered. Uh, Stoltenberg is sitting in his air-conditioned office in encouraging it. So are the neocons in D.C. But an open-ended commitment affects us, too, because, again, I drove by Bucky's this morning, 419 now, Four extra cents, 4.19 a gallon to fill up our tank. Well, at least we can feel better that it's all going for those plucky Ukrainians, right? <laughs> some, some oil company that uh, knows how to handle this, too. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, an article by our friend Pat Buchanan. Yeah. He's, he's been in the news, but he's been mistreated by the media over the years, oh, yeah. you know. And, and yet he's plugging away, and as usual, he is... Uh, very much uh, close to trying to avoid war like we are. And uh, his, he writes about how this is going to spread and is making, uh, they're making an effort to spread, not just dealing with Ukraine, you know, defending, uh, defend, uh, defending Ukraine against the Russians that are coming. So uh, he, he, uh, his title and his question is, why would U.S. give a war guarantee to Finland. Finland. Yeah, Finland. I didn't know whether they, and we have to do this for our national security. <laughs> so, anyway, he he makes he makes fun of it and ridicules it rightfully so, and uh, and and now now our government and NATO wants to bring bring Finland into it, and and immediately of course uh, even some of these uh, invitations. They said, we don't even care if they're officially a member. We'll start defending them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. So uh, that's, uh, th that's the last thing we need is expansion. We need to shrink each other, yeah. you know. But uh, so, so far, we haven't heard too much from that. Well, Finland has a fine tradition, like Switzerland had, of neutrality. And it served Finland very well in, in World War II. It served it very well in the Cold War, as it did Switzerland. Neutrality has a lot of benefits. Uh, financial, in terms of security. Austria had that as well after a brief period. But you have now a young, inexperienced, although she has a lot of political experience, but a very young, inexperienced prime minister in Ukraine. My guess is she's been browbeaten by Blinken and his gang and also the Brussels gang. And now they've abandoned decades of very, very profitable, very sensible neutrality. And they said, no, hey, we need NATO. And as you say, Buchanan makes a, a good article. It's up on the Ron Paul Institute website. And he looks at it in a, in a good perspective. He says, I, I get it. I understand why Finland wants to join NATO. He says, NATO membership means the world's strongest power, the U.S., under Article 5, would go to war against Russia should it cross Finland's border. Um, he said, okay, I get that. I understand that things are going on. He said, from the Finnish point of view, this is perfectly understandable. But here's the key sentence. But why would the United States consent to go to war with Russia, the largest nuclear power on Earth, for violating Finland's frontiers? He says, Finland's not Alaska. It's not Canada. It's 5,000 miles away. And here's another key sentence. 
and no one ever asserted during the Cold War or for the decades since that Finland was a U.S. vital interest. So I would add, so why today is Finland a vital interest? Of course, he's not going to get an answer because the truth is hidden away. They don't want the people, uh, you know, to know the truth. And this is going to be pursued. And, and, uh, and once again, the people that get dumped on don't quite understand the whole thing. And they are disorganized and they're not, you know, marching in the streets saying, no more war, no more war. It takes, uh, takes 10 years of Vietnam or something like that for the people to finally rise up and say, you know, uh, let's quit it. Let's, uh, let's get out of this quagmire and this killing. And, uh, of course, it was the stale mode of Korea, the same thing. And, and finally, even, instead of people learning the lesson of Vietnam, like Bush said, we were going to uh, cancel that lesson out. So what did, what did we do? We didn't shorten the wars and get out or stay out of these areas. We just stay longer. Yeah. And we don't pretend. I I think there's a there's there's not even hiding the fact that this is our territory. You know, once we're in here, we're in charge. We'll take care of you and uh, whatever is necessary. We have the money to feed you, and uh, we'll give you a discount on all your weapons because you don't have any money. So we'll have to give you the money. And uh, so it's once again a tax burden to us. This whole thing that that uh, all of a sudden that we're helping the the. Uh, uh, people in, in Finland or any of these countries, we're really not. Uh, we're just stirring up more wars, what it is, and, and, and the victims uh, are going to be there. But it's, it's the, you know, we talk about all the time, because it's in the news, are the, uh, you know, the, 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 not the strategic part, but the, the, uh, the uh, immediate part of who's deciding what to policy should be. Yeah. Should we move trips here? Should we go in this city here, over here? Where are we going to send the weapons? It's all technical stuff. And and, and the technical stuff is just arguing, well, if we had, you know, it, Biden, he really messed things up, which is what we, what do we need? We need the Republicans because they really know what peace is all about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, uh, they, they're better diplomats. They try, they hide, they hide their real reasons a lot better. But uh, that, that is, that is the problem. I don't think we're dealing with the right problem. The, the founders gave us a strong hint on what we should do, and that is, Stay out of that place. What are we doing? Think, well, the world's smaller now. You know, we have planes and ships and things move quickly. Yeah, that's even a bigger reason to stay out of it. The, the wars can break out much faster. And you can send these missiles, you know, flying around the world. So, but, but, they, uh, but no, they don't. They speed it up. They say, oh, we, we have to protect everybody in NATO. Everybody. Well, do you want to be in? Come on, move in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you don't have to take a test. You, we'll, we'll, we'll accept that and, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll protect you. And, uh, and like Pat bring, brings out, which is a good point, and that is, why don't the American people ask, how's that going to help me? Yeah. You know, uh, so is it humanitarian? For, to want to help other people? Yeah, probably to some degree. But is it humanitarian to dump on the American people? That's sort of like we're being humanitarian on our borders. So when you look at the border problems, you know, going on, it's not very humanitarian for the American people and the, the property rights of, of American citizens. No, it's doing exactly the opposite. And uh, no, nobody seems to want to 
talk about that. It's always, you know, the wonderful things they're, they're going to do in, in, in uh, taking care of people and bringing about peace and uh, supporting and financing NATO, United Nations and IMF and all this stuff. It's world government that uh, is so much in charge. And, uh, you know, he's a good bankruptcy to wash that group of people out. Yeah, and you know there is there is we talked about it before. There is an anti-war Republican slash conservative movement, and we're seeing a lot of it. We're seeing a lot of people who are coming up who are definitely not from the tradition of the left, uh, who are embracing. And I would say that really is the fruits of a lot of the seeds that you planted in your two campaigns, especially where people on the right are realizing I don't have to feel like I have to support this global military empire. And in fact, to be a good conservative in the sense of the word means I want to conserve and preserve the goodness in my own country, uh, primarily family. And I can't raise a family if three quarters of my income is going to give missiles to, to Finland or Ukraine. So I think there's a lot of that. I think it's you know certainly a product of the Ron Paul movement, the Pat Buchanan movement before that as well, brought a lot of conservatives into the idea. And of course, you go back to Taft. You go back further than that even. So there is some to be encouraged, and I think I would like to see, obviously, more of that. But you mentioned in the beginning about they're starting to offer, uh, they're starting to offer security guarantees to Finland even before it's a member. And let's put on this next clip. It's pretty funny. This is from uh, the Libertarian Institute, Scott Horton's outfit over there, and it's a good article that they have up today. Iceland, Denmark, and Norway have offered security guarantees to Finland and Sweden if either come under attack, uh, even if they're not in. On Monday, the three European states said they would do everything possible to ensure a swift accession process for the new applicants, while also vowing to take action on behalf of them, of, fin of the two countries, uh, in case of attack. And I'm sure that the Russians are terrified of the coming Icelandic onslaught. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's almost to the point where it's it's hard to take seriously, and if the stakes weren't so high, we probably could get a good laugh about it. But speaking of accession, we thought that um, every time, this is like uh, the Godfather, every time he tries to get out, they pull him back in, right? <laughs> um, every time we think that NATO's off the table, some dopey American diplomat comes up and says, no, 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 we're still going to have NATO for Ukraine, that's no problem. And in fact, you've got the next story, we can put up the clip about what's the latest about bringing Ukraine into NATO. Well, they're not hesitating one bit, and that's their sole goal. Symbolically, it has significance, and they convince the people, well, yeah, this is a peace movement, yet it's so destructive. They've been doing that, and that is out on the table, and you see fundraising in the United States, please help the Ukrainians get into NATO, you know, so... But I had another subject, related, but I'm interested in talking a little bit about this because we're talking about all the new people coming in. Yeah. What about a member who's a little bit shaky about being in, yeah. in, in NATO? And that happens to be uh, uh, Turkey. Turkey. Erdogan says Turkey will not approve Finland, Sweden, joining NATO. So uh, I wonder, wonder what this means to the NATO people. They, they're not condemning them. Uh, you know, what are we going to do with Turkey? Uh, they're trying to ignore them, I think. They're, they're not even putting that out on the table for discussion. Yeah. 
Well, Erdogan has a little bit of a history of being very dramatic, right, and then getting what he wants. My guess is he wants a little bakshish over this. The claim is that he doesn't like the fact that Finland and Sweden have taken in a lot of Kurdish refugees who, who uh, Erdogan suggests are affiliated with the PKK, which the uh, Turks consider a terrorist group uh, that does attack Turkey. My guess is that he's, at the end of the day, he's not going to veto uh, the membership. He's just looking for some concessions. Hey, fair enough. That's what people do. That's what Erdogan has done, uh, and he's a survivor from doing it. If I was, if I had a crystal ball, Dr. Paul, I would look into it and say, they're going to give Erdogan whatever he wants because this is so important, and he knows it. He's no dummy. He hasn't survived this long. He knows how important this is to Brussels, so he's going to squeeze every bit out that he possibly can. You know, more power to him. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, in a way, isn't that what the whole system is exactly, all about? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know? Whether Rat. it's over, over land or whether it's, it's over oil or, or whatever, <laughs> who's going to squeeze the last benefit? And, uh, and the goals are so emphatically, uh, you, you know, uh, based on something that I, I see in, in the moral system, it's an immoral act to always be so aggressive to take and steal and rob and use the military and plunder and, and, and the world sort of operates on this. And why, why there's no sincere effort, well there, no, I shouldn't say none, there's the, why the sincere effort by many to bring about changes through persuasion. Because, you know, our history, the history of the world shows that sometimes you, you know, uh, good things can come from people who act in peace. There are some countries that live side by side for you know, hundreds of years, you yeah. know, and, and they did quite well. But uh, right now, uh, especially in our country today, just just think uh, it's always been a conflict from the beginning of our country. But it's it's never been quite as bad today to, you know, there's such a sharp line on trying to uh, survive and define what truth is. Yeah, I mean, we're at the point now where the top leadership and the top legal authorities in this country, they, they don't even know what a woman is. Yeah. And uh, believe me, I have, I have a little, little understanding yeah. about that. Yikes. And yet they decide, oh, we, we don't know anything about that. We, we're, we're for peace. Yeah, we're <laughs> you know? So it, it is a little crazy. Uh, of what's going on, because the the, the fact the fact that uh, some people seek and spend their life seeking and looking for truth, uh, right now there's a lot of people who want to twist it, and they want one thing: they want to define what truth is, and it's what they say it is. And if you don't obey, we'll destroy you. Yeah, that's the Nina Jankovic thing. Disinformation yeah. is what I say it is. Yeah. Well, I'm going to close out. I'm going to ask uh, our, our friend back there to skip over to the, the announcement for the conference, if you can. Skip a couple of those clips and just put it up. Um, I'm going to announce our last speaker. and we got a happy family that's going to be there on June 4th in Houston for the Biden Doctrine New World Order or Nuclear Armageddon. We've already announced Scott Ritter is going to be there. Lou Rockwell is going to be there. We're super excited. Dr. Paul is going to be there. We know you're going to be there. Uh, I might show up. Um, but our last speaker we're announcing today, if we can go to the next one, is a friend of ours. He's been on the show before, um, Tom Luongo. Uh, he is, 
Tom brings a lot to the table. He, he's actually a research chemist by profession, uh, but he does a lot of writing about, about investment, about geostrategy, about how the earth, the world is shifting now that things have happened. And that's what Tom is going to bring to the table. And we're really excited to announce that he will be with us as well. So we've got an action-packed day. where I think we're over 90% now sold out, even after adjusting and moving things around. Uh, so if you want to get some tickets um, while well well you can, I'm going to go ahead and put a link in the description. And it's getting close, Dr. Paul. I'm getting nervous. <laughs> i got to say something smart. But we, we're really looking forward to meeting all our friends very there. Very good. Yeah. And I am very confident that I don't have to worry because you're in charge of making sure that conference runs smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's very easy for me to relax a little bit because I just give all the, all the responsibility to Daniel and his, his staff, and they take care of things. And, Daniel, every once in a while, you might be a little slow on site, but never on a conference. <laughs> every conference just goes smoothly at all. Well, I better so knock on be wood. prepared. Yeah, I'm knocking on wood right no, now. No, and, it, and it's going to be fun because that's one of my rules. You have fun doing this because if you dwell on all the negatives about what's going on, that's not, that's not much fun. But that's, that's nothing new about that. I mean, that's the way the world works. But I'll tell you what, satisfaction, as far as I'm concerned, comes from the fact that you can talk about ideas and challenge people who have bad ideas and uh, of course the one thing that serves my interest the most is somebody who disagrees to talk in a decent manner all this demagoguing and lying and cheating and stealing and all this stuff that goes on that's not much fun but if you can find somebody that just happens to disagree for instance right now uh, on the conservative side they they ought to have a major debate on free trade when you think of, that's a big issue for for the world uh canceling out you know uh you, you know mercantilism and all the stuff that caused a lot of harm but free trade it just seems like 10 15 years ago all of a sudden all the economists were, were for protection and uh and and our last uh republican president uh didn't help to move us in a free trade situation because uh, th th that to me is so important and free trade is volunteerism and it's the way the world should work people should voluntarily you know spend their money where they want this is why when the people ask me about well what about china you know they have bad people over there making stuff yeah like in every country of the world and so what uh, they're, they're, so what do you want to do punish punish the american consumer for that you know if if uh, bad people are living in a country but they happen to manufacture goods and services that uh, you know are more competitive with the people that uh, uh, make it here, uh, why wouldn't the American citizen have the right to make that decision to decide where to buy stuff? You know, and that doesn't include uh, acts of war and when things are very, very bad, and and it truly is a national security interest. But uh, most of the time, it's always trying to get there. You know, get an advantage. That's why you have currency wars and trade wars, sanction wars, and on and on. And the system of government that we had, an economic understanding of the last. Uh, 50, 60, 70 years has brought us to the brink, the brink of, you know, the bubble that is bursting as we, as we sit here and conditions will deteriorate until we change our attitude about what personal liberty actually means and how it relates to free markets and property, private ownership. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. 
to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.